This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, this is Lou Mangello from WDW Radio. And when I'm not at Walt Disney World or sharing my passion for Disney World or eating, I am stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and how's your 2020 financial skill set look? What skills should you add to your financial toolbox ASAP? Don't worry, we've got you covered to help get you all skilled up from the Money with Friends podcast, welcome Bobby Rebel. And from the Afford Anything blog and podcast, and she's got a few skills herself, that skills with a Z, it's Paula Pant. And from the ominously named blog, LenPenzo.com, it's Len Penzo. Plus, do you like the idea of the envelope budgeting system but don't want to lose the convenience of paying with a card? Well, you're in luck because our Friday FinTech guest can help. Join me in welcoming the founder of Cube Money, Ryan Clark, to the podcast. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll still magnify a lucky listener's money and I'll blow you away with my trivia. And now a guy who hasn't learned a new skill since 2003... It's Joe Salcihai. And I don't even remember what skill it was. It was so long ago. Hey, everybody. The good news is I have learned, actually, I've known this for a long time, to recognize Friday when I see it. I'm Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter, and we have a fun band of characters celebrating the upcoming weekend with us let's start uh let's start deep under los angeles where my friend len penzo is hanging out in his bunker joe how are you i'm uh, trying to get the barbecue smell out of the bunker right now after the big fire so uh you sent uh, me pictures of the fire yeah do you like them well no i mean i like marshmallows and hot dogs much as the next guy but i don't want to put them out the window of my house and have them right there 
Well, that's the advantage of having a bunker, actually. <laughs> so I was able to watch the firemen do their job from the comfort of the bunker. So I think and besides, I'm an old hand at this. This is number two now. This is number two in the last 12 years. So I think, Len, when you send me a photo of an airplane spraying pink stuff to get rid of the fire, like right on the mountain next to your house, it's crazy. Yeah. You know what? I have a, a coworker lives on the other side of the uh, wilderness area where that I've abutted against. And those planes dropped that stuff on top of his house. So uh, he spent the weekend trying to get much of that off of his house. I, I, I don't even know stuff. what it is, but I can't imagine it's good. <laughs> Apparently it's not too bad. It's, it just takes a couple of uh, applications of water and it comes right off. But uh, yeah, it, it's messy. Little known fact, Len, the woman who was the pilot of that aircraft... Paula Pant from Afford Anything joins us. <laughs> yes, among my many secret skills, I can fly a plane. Actually, no, I cannot. You were you were looking for Len's house. You dropped it on the wrong place. Seriously, it would have been the ultimate prank, but, you know, miscalibrated. She's like, no, I was someplace else, fully anonymous someplace else. How are you, Paula? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Well, you know, it's Friday, so I'm doing great. And you know why else I'm doing great? Why? Because <laughs> we get to spend today with my co-host at Money with Friends, Bobby Rebels, with us. I am so happy to be here. And guys, I feel very privileged because I am here in my Manhattan condo. And you know how close we're getting to fire here? We are obsessed with the Netflix fireplace to the point where we are now getting accessories. We ran a poll, actually. We ran a poll on Money with Friends. So my husband wanted to get the candle that smelled like bacon and I wanted to get the firewood one and guess which one this is like early trivia from the uh, rebel Kaufman household what did the money friends vote for in the candle that we should get to go along to complete the mood with a Netflix fireplace so Paula is it is here. it bacon or firewood I'm gonna guess bacon just for the novelty factor Len always bacon I said so I gotta go firewood firewood one oh. but not by a huge margin but oh. there were a lot of bacon fans out there does the smell of bacon ever get old? Never. I'm not a bacon person. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't eat the meat. So she, you know, she doesn't. But she doesn't go there. I may have to deal with a bacon candle. There's bacon donuts. There's ba there's a lot of bacon stuff. My husband's lobbying for for the winter. I had a bacon donut. Bacon donuts are ridiculously awful. I'll just I go on the record. Bacon and donuts do not go together. And disagree. So, well, you know, it's funny, Paula, somebody just turned off the podcast and they're never turned it back on. Exactly. They're so upset with me that they're done. Hey, but I hope not because we got a great show today. We got Bobby here. We got Paula here. We got Len here. We're going to talk about some habits you need to be great with money here at the end of 2020 and into 2021. So let's get the party started. This week, guys, we have a celebrity reader with us. She not only is the author of this piece called Five Financial Skills You Should Have in 2020, but she is also a woman who has been a frequent contributor to this show, has hung out with us a lot here on the Roundtable, and Investopedia just named her among the 100 most influential advisors in the United States. It's our good friend and certified financial planner, Katie Brewer. Katie, take it away. Five financial skills you should have in 2020. 2020 has thrown most people and their finances for a loop. This year has really emphasized why we put financial safeguards in place and what can happen if we don't. But the year's not over yet. There's still time to finish out 2020 strong, prepared for whatever next year has in store. Here are five financial skills to brush up on right now. First one, saving like a pro. 
According to a Go Banking Rates 2019 survey, about 70% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings, and about 45% have nothing saved at all. That scary reality really hit home for most Americans when lockdowns to contain the coronavirus began back in March. That's why we have emergency funds in place, because eventually something unpredictable and sometimes expensive will happen. Number two is managing risk. It's no secret that the best investment strategy is slow and steady. Active investing or trying to time the markets often results in knee-jerk reactions that don't pay off in the long term. That's why it's best to hold steady when markets are done. A watch-and-wait approach can feel very uncomfortable and risky, but it's actually a smart strategy during a recession. Lean into the downturn. That means keep your automatic savings going even when the markets are unpredictable or if the news sounds like you should pull all of your money out right now. Nothing lasts forever, and as history has proven, markets do rebound over time. Number three, adaptability. Odds are that your year has looked very different than you thought it would in January. Major disruptions to your plan can be extremely frustrating, but it's also a good opportunity to practice pivoting, which is being flexible. So what goals will you focus on now? How can you still move the needle forward, even if it's only a little bit? Learning how to adapt to life's curveballs will help you weather this financial storm and future ones. Number four, investing for the future. 2020 has been an especially difficult year because no one has a really good idea of what the road ahead looks like. You've heard the phrase unprecedented times a thousand times now, but it's true. These now what situations happen many times over the course of a lifetime. Regardless of what tomorrow looks like, invest in your future. Figure out what you can control. Save for what you know you'll need. You don't have to throw all of your plans out because we're in a pandemic. Eventually, normalcy will return, so keep planning, investing, and saving. Number five, saying no. Many people are truly learning the difference between needs and wants this year. Maybe in 2019, you thought you absolutely had to go to your cousin's destination wedding that you couldn't really afford, or that you needed a newer car or a bigger house. Trials can teach us how to simplify, pare down, and save our energy and money for what really matters most. So mastering the art of saying no so that you can say yes to better things is a cornerstone of financial success. This is Katie Brewer, Certified Financial Planner with Your Richest Life. Big thanks to Katie for reading that. And by the way, Katie, again, congratulations on being named by Investopedia to the 100 most influential financial advisors in the United States. By the way, we'll have a link to uh, this piece and also to uh, Katie's website, Your Richest Life Planning. Dot com on our show notes page. Let's take these in order, guys, because I think this is probably going to be the best way for us to tackle this. Bobby, financial skills for 2020, saving money like a pro. Like if you if you have the ability to save now, picking up that skill and starting to get some money saved, no time like the present, especially when we're going into the holiday season. Always a good time to save money. What I liked about this piece is that she really emphasized that. The good news is a lot of people now, if they have not had an income interruption, which is a big if, yeah. because we have to be empathetic to people that do not have their same level of income. And really, it's not realistic to save. A lot of people have more money. In fact, we heard um, the data from the spring soon after the pandemic started was that the savings rate among Americans surged. So that's really good news. And I hope that people are continuing that habit because a lot of the things that we didn't 
we, we, we were spending money on things that we thought were necessary, but when they get shut down completely, maybe they're not so necessary. Yeah, you and I had done so a bunch of stories lesson. about people reexamining their needs versus their wants during the pandemic. We've seen that a bunch. Len, when you started saving initially, how did you build that muscle at first? Like if you were talking to somebody that says they can't save right now, what was step one for Mr. Penzo? Well, it starts slow. It's like you don't have to eat that elephant in one bite. You you start slow. So what I did, for example, when I first started my my paycheck, I would just start at say one percent of my paycheck. Then go to maybe a week later or a month later, go to two percent. Is whenever you feel comfortable, keep upping it. Make it a game. Set a goal. Say you want to eventually be saving ten or fifteen percent of your paycheck, but start a goal and and just go week to week or month to month and up that number until you reach your goal. It's kind of fun and it's really kind of painless. And it, where you're, you can really make big gains on this, Joe, is at raise time, right? If you get a raise, put it all into your savings or of whatever kind you have, and you don't even miss it. That's what I did. You know, it makes me mad, Len. The last time Paula got a raise, I asked her to save it for me, and she did not do it. <laughs> I was really upset because I haven't saved any money, and Paula won't save any money for me. So, <laughs> but, but Paula, when it comes to saving for you, how did you start? Honestly, the way that I started was I, I was just really anxious and so I kind of came from the opposite perspective where I had so much anxiety about the future that that spending was unpleasant. I wanted to save because I, I fundamentally I didn't have confidence in my ability to earn. And so spending gave me anxiety and that just led to savings. It's really like <laughs> essentially my advice is develop unhealthy anxiety, which is <laughs> <laughs> have absolutely no faith in yourself. <laughs> exactly. And you'll say buddy like a madman. Tank your self-esteem. <laughs> but it's funny, Bobby, what Paul is talking about, you know, I remember Susie Orman actually talking about something like this and it's something Susie said that I really like, which is that if you feel like you can't save today, Imagine yourself in that future where you need that money and it's not there. And Paula's panic will set in immediately <laughs> and immediately you'll trick yourself to save. Do you save because you're in panic mode as well? No, I don't get into panic mode, but I do have something that my little sister labeled me with. And I'm curious to hear what Paula has to say about this. But she accused me once of irrational frugality. <laughs> which is, she did. Yes. She said, you are, you have irrational frugality. She was trying to convince me to go on a trip to Iceland and Iceland can be very expensive. And I just couldn't pull the trigger. I, and she was like, you have the money. I know enough about your finances. Like you can go to Iceland and, and by the way, given everything that's going on, I'm really glad I went a couple of years ago with my family, but there is a, a balance. So I have always had things automated, which is very cliche and very boring, but I think that's the best thing. And, and just as Len sort of said, upping it and you don't have to up it necessarily. It's good to do it when you have a raise, but there's so many apps and programs that can automate upping it, whether it's your 401k or your bank, where you can put in that every six months you want the percentage to go up by a dollar amount or a percentage amount, that that's a way to do it. Because then the active step you have to take is to stop the increase. Yeah. I'll tell you, Bobby, I don't think that automating it is a small thing at all. I think that is a powerful, powerful thing. And people underestimate it because people would always tell me, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll save more, but I'll start it in a month or two months, but man, automating it just made it so that having to, to your point, having to opt out versus opt in 
made savings so much better. When I think of a ration, yeah, yeah. But to be fair, there, Bobby, you know, I'm so old. When uh, when <laughs> you know, a, an app when I first started out was what came before the main course. So that's uh, <laughs> there were no apps. Let the record show we are 10 minutes and 40 seconds in to the podcast before Len's old guy story. We've, we made it that far. 10 minutes, Len. Okay, that's, yeah. a, that's a long time. By the way, when I think of a rational frugality, Len, I think of you. So there you go. You got it. Yeah, that's a, you know, really, I kind of believe in irrational frugality myself. So, you know, I do know people that kind of save to a fault and they don't go out and enjoy life. So, you know, I, I do. I actually I'm with uh, Bobby's sister there. Yeah. I was going to say, Bobby, you should wear that like a badge. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Well, yeah, but now I'm so glad that I did that trip and we've done some other things like taking up golf, which is not exactly a low cost sport. And I think it's really enhanced our life. So I think it's important that when you do have the money to look at that balance, play out how things could go in the best case, worst case scenario and all that and be like, OK, I can do this. And you don't know what direction your life will go in. So it's really important. And who could have predicted the pandemic? I mean, we haven't been on a travel vacation since March. Uh, we yeah. had a couple of vacations that we canceled that we were days away from. And I am so glad for the especially the international travel that we did as a family growing up with the kids. Um, we didn't do a ton, but thank God we did it when we could. Who knows what the world will hold next and by the way, Reykjavik, uh, when Cheryl and I were there, drinks, uh, one drink each, alcoholic beverage each, and appetizers, 75 bucks. Oh, it was crazy expensive. It was it was bananas. And I did I did only go for four days, let's be clear. I couldn't handle any more than that. Yeah. But we did it up for four days. We really did. We did it with a private guide. We went inside volcanoes. It was the trip of a lifetime. It was really wonderful. And I'm so glad we did it. I did not share the pricing with my husband. <laughs> so Paul, that's financial infidelity. Now we have two. <laughs> like that, right? That, that didn't make this show. We got to have Bobby back for that one. Paula, what do you think of the second one, managing risk? Oh, I mean, if any year has brought to light the importance of managing risk, it's of course this year. And as you often say, Joe, managing risk takes on a lot of different dimensions. Like a lot of times people will presuppose the solution. So they'll ask about insurance, but it, it isn't about buying insurance. It isn't about X, Y, Z. It's about big picture. What are the risks that we face? Like what's the range of possible outcomes? How survivable are the worst of those outcomes? And what can we do to mitigate that risk? Uh, what are the particularly the low probability, high magnitude events? Len, I love what Paul is talking about, but Katie also talks about this in terms of your investments, about keeping your check on your emotions, especially in the heady week we had this last week with the election and all. I mean, does anybody know there was an election last Tuesday? It's strange. No, I don't think so. I no. don't think so. You saw the numbers, I'm sure, Len, that showed that people were going to do crazy things with their investments based on whoever they thought won. And, you know, investment companies showed that a lot of those moves you shouldn't make. Yeah, well, that's not managing risk. That's actually going out on a limb, right? So, and I like where Paula was going with, there's lots of ways to manage risk, right? I mean, here they're talking about, well, just this article here from Katie mentions, you know, don't do anything rash, but also making sure your portfolio is balanced. That's one way to do it. Saving more is a way to manage risk. If you think you're going to lose your job, start going through all of your expenses and do a, an evaluation of every last penny that you're spending and go and work with your, if you're married, your spouse, and then try to decide ahead of time, what are you going to cut 
if you lose your paycheck and you, you know, and you eventually run out of your emergency savings. There's all kinds of things you could do to manage risk. So there's, it's not a one size fits all thing. I feel like Bobby on money with friends, the next topic Katie has, you and I have talked about over and over and over in one of two ways, it's adaptability and it's either people learning to pivot or people not learning to pivot. Like we did the story recently about Quibi, the entertainment company Quibi that did not pivot, but adaptability, man, if you don't learn adaptability this year, Bobby, what else are you learning? That is an excellent point. I also think that people need to not be so rigid and think that everything has to be a certain way. We learn like Quibi, they just could not get past the mobile phone concept until it was really too late. And so, you know, be open-minded about your investments, be open-minded about how you want to manage your money and be open-minded most of all about how you want to live your life. A lot of people have made big changes in their life that probably will stick past the pandemic and aren't boxed into this predetermined way of living your, your larger life, let alone, you know, your investments is to just be open-minded. A lot of things have happened that we really never, truly never could have conceived of. Like you moving back to Texas. How yeah. weird is that? That was the right? big thing. That, pandemic. That was the biggest know? thing, Bobby, that happened this year was I moved back to Texas. That oh. was big. I was like, what? I'm like, wait, what? Huh? Seriously? Really? <laughs> The fourth one on here, investing for the future. I think we kind of covered that already, that it's been a difficult year, but you got to keep planning and saving. I'm going to skip that just to go down, Paul. It's this last one. Saying no. This mm. one I was kind of surprised to see on this list, but I don't know. Were you excited to see this one? I mean, I think that saying no is the the backbone of a lot of everything that we've been talking about. Saying no to peer pressure, whether it's externally imposed or whether it's from within, you know, um, self, self-inflicted peer pressure to keep up with the Joneses, get the bigger, bigger home or the nicer car. Yeah. I, I would say go on a trip, but we've talked about how going on a trip can actually be a really good idea, but you know, to, to upgrade your wardrobe because everybody else is, uh, those types of like saying no to that, keeping up with the Joneses effect is really, it's the backbone of avoiding lifestyle inflation. Bobby saying no mixed on this because going back to the whole theory of irrational frugality, the truth is that there, I do get to this point and I'm actually, so the sweater I'm wearing is new. My husband noticed it right away because I have no new clothing generally, because again, irrational frugality, if I have something, even if it's 15 years old and it's a black shirt, it's still a black shirt that fits. So why change it? So you get to a point where if you can afford it, you should say yes to certain things. You should say yes to maybe occasionally going out to an expensive dinner if you enjoy it, not just because of it. What I love about what Paula said is that she's pointing out the fact that a lot of FOMO went away with what's going on, is that we no longer have to do things because of FOMO. We do things if we still want because we want to and we can afford to if we can. And so we don't have that pressure to do things because other people have done it. So I give it a tie on that one. I thought you were going to say there's no FOMO this year because nobody's doing shit. But people, well, no, people are though, but people are. Yeah. People totally are. I mean, you yeah. know, people go to Disney World still, just not us, but, yeah. you know, I, people are going out to dinner in New York. We've got a great outdoor setup for now. People are doing stuff, just not as much. Len saying no in your life? Yeah, I'm with Bobby. I, I think there's more. You got to be looking at more of the saying yes now. I think there's been a lot of no between the, like March when this COVID thing hit and, and right now it's time to start looking at the yeses and weighing your options. And if you can do some things, go ahead and do them. 
I'm so happy we're about to say hi to our Friday FinTech guest. You know, if you're somebody that likes the envelope system of budgeting, you may have wondered, how come there aren't companies that are doing this for the average person? Well, guess what? Ryan Clark and the team at Cube have been doing that. And on today's FinTech, Friday FinTech segment, we're going to talk to him. We don't endorse the companies that come on the Friday FinTech segment. We just heard about this cool idea. We want to learn about it together with you. So let's say hello to Ryan Clark. Hear more about Cube and budgeting in the 21st century using the modern envelope system. And on my dad shortwave radio, it's my new friend, Ryan Clark. How are you, man? I'm fantastic, Joe. It's good to be on the show. Well, I'm so happy to finally have you on because I've always loved this idea of the envelope system. And when I heard about Cube Money, I, we reached out and I'm glad that you could spend time talking about it. But let's talk about this. Were you just in love with the envelope system as much as we were? And then you said, you know what, let's make it 21st century or... Did you see that nobody else was doing it well? Tell me about the how Cube Money got started. Well, the story for me is I was I spent over a decade in financial planning and coaching, had over a thousand clients, had done tons of budgeting and 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 work with them. My my practice always focused more in personal finance. And I just got frustrated because there isn't anything like this out there. And the whole thing came to a head. I was working with a with a couple uh, down in Texas that made $250,000 a year. And they'd made that kind of money for the last 10 years. And I remember one time, because I always want to make sure that there's real uh, intention with, with people before I started. And, I, and he, he called me and said, Ryan, I can't let the next 10 years be like the last. And I said, great, let's begin. So we designed a great budget. I put them on the latest and greatest app at the time. And sure enough, within three or four months, they'd gone off and started spending their money again. And that was their problem. They had the nicest cars, the nicest of everything, nice big house, box office seats at everything. And it was just a spending problem. So budgeting, right? But they were able to get around the app because in, in, the, in the system today, every single app out there is after the fact, right? You spend, they tell you about it, but they can't do what cash envelopes can do because it's the only system on the planet that is the bank and the budget all in one, right? You have to use the system to be able to spend. And that's what I wanted to create. I knew that that thing could really make a difference. I think that's a big aha for a lot of people though. They think, cause you know, I'm a recovering financial planner too. And, and people think, well, Hey Joe, I got this cool program where I track my expenses. Well, you can track yourself screwing up everything, but it doesn't change the fact that you messed it up. Having that no. budget ahead of time is really where you need to be. Yeah, that's exactly right. Tracking is in the past and the past has very limited control or power to influence the present or even the future. So you have to have something in that moment that is actually going to guide you. And really how I see it is we've changed the entire environment of how banking and spending works and make, and we've made it so that's just how it works. And when your environment for money changes, it's easy to adopt amazing and correct uh, spending behaviors. Whereas right now it, the whole system is void of any, any kind of rules or anything. So people are able to just spend themselves into debt, death. Well, that's what I like about the envelope system, Ryan, is that, you know, ahead of time, Hey, if the envelope's empty, 
it's empty. I can't do that activity anymore. And I remember using the envelope system myself when I was getting my act together and Hey, we learned in a hurry, you know, when we ate all the groceries and now we're going back through the end of the pantry just to force ourselves to stay on the budget and make sure that we learn the lesson. I did that twice. And then you didn't make that mistake again. But I got to tell you, there is a long way, my friend, between, okay, I'm helping a client do this and they're, and they're not, not doing what they should to becoming a fintech founder and creating an app. And as you know, it's, it's not easy, brother. How did you decide to swim that moat? Well, so after this couple that I mentioned, I was so frustrated that, that again, the dieting reaction had happened. So I went to a friend of mine. I took him to lunch and three hours later, we filled up an entire yellow pad where he's explaining to me how the systems work, what, what we could do, maybe what, what, how this could work. And in the end, we basically had kind of figured out a way that we thought could do it. Six months later, we founded the company and started going. Wow. So, just, it just so that's, that's two friends it, looking at, hey, let's create this thing. Let's see if we could do it. I mean, his whole job was around payment processing. Now, the, the tricky part for us, though, has been that the technology really hasn't been there. We, this is very cutting edge. To be able to do this at the speed and the, with the precision that we have to have, I've, I've actually built this thing four times. This is my fourth time building it because the technology hasn't been there. We would build our part just fine, but the processors couldn't keep up. They couldn't do it, and it created a really bad experience that wouldn't work. But what's amazing, Joe, is that all along, people... The, the community behind us, they have wanted this thing so bad. And that's honestly what can, that's what propelled me because I've ran out of money twice trying to build this thing. I put my own money in, ran out, raised money, ran out, raised money again. That company almost, so we almost ran out of money, raised even more money. And now here we are building it the fourth time because the users that were on it loved it. And it was so extremely effective at doing what it did when it would work right. And now it's working amazing. I was going to say the interface is so clean. And so there's so much love. It looks like poured into it as I was playing around with it. Uh, let's walk through this. So how do I get this? Do I get it on my phone? Is it on the web? Walk people through the experience of using cube money. First off, we had to mimic the exact behaviors of cash envelopes. Some people think that cash is the secret with cash envelopes. I disagree completely. That's just a payment method. The key, and it's not envelopes. Those are all components of a very successful system. But the most important part is being able to get in front of the purchase. You have to have something that you have to use before you can spend. So we had to mimic that. So how it works is the exact same way that cash envelopes works. With cash envelopes, the user has to open their purse or wallet. They have to select which envelope they're going to spend from, make sure they have enough money, and then they remove the money and pay. Cube works the exact same way. You have an app and we give you a debit card. You go to the store, you have to open your phone, select which cube, we call them, the money is coming from, and then you can swipe. If you just swipe without making a choice beforehand and seeing your plan, the transaction will fail. It requires you to have to make a choice, to have purpose and intention with your spending every time. That's frustrating when I'm at the video game store, dude. Which part? Is it a video game store? <laughs> Having to tell myself that I shouldn't be spending this 50 bucks on the new video game, like going through that and making me think about it. I hate that. <laughs> well, Joe, there's, there's a reason why it's the number one and, and most successful spending system out there. But I'll tell you what, all you'd have to do at the video game store is just turn it on, just see where your money's coming from, because it's going to come from somewhere. I mean, if you don't have enough money in one cube, you can transfer between cubes, just like you can do with cash envelopes. But you'll have to make that selection before that now you're spending from here. 
and then you're good to go. Don't tell people how to circumvent the system. I'm actually saying I love it. And I love the fact, Ryan, that I hate it because looking at my, looking myself in the eye and going, you know what, do I really need this? Do I really need this? Is this really important versus, I mean, you know, everybody's like your client, right? We say that we want these long-term things and we never get it because we got this shiny object right in front of me. So setting up those envelopes ahead of time, tell me about that. How do I get this system all set up for myself? So right now we're in beta. We plan to to release the full uh, system here in January. Uh, So right now, the best way to get in is to go to our website. Uh, We're currently offering a lifetime membership. So if if you go in now, you can jump in and take advantage of that and never have to pay. Pay once. Sorry, never to pay again. Pay once and and be done. And that puts you to the very front of the line on getting the app. Uh, Honestly, within a week or so, we're going to be onboarding all of our lifetime users. So you may sign up for that and jump right in. Now, getting set up takes... We've had teenagers that have jumped in and done it in a minute, 30 seconds. So it's fast. It's easy. (laughs) But does that mean grandpa is going to take four minutes then? Is that what you're trying to say? We had my partner's grandma uh, jump on and she's in her eighties and it took her about five minutes. That's fantastic. Is what what I'm getting at. It's real simple to get the account set up, get the app uh, downloaded and get in. Now, once you're in, then you're setting up your cubes, your envelopes. You set those up one by one. And we're actually going to make that, uh, and there's a great enhancement coming I'm really excited about, and that'll be there for our launch. But it'll make it so it's setting up the envelopes as a snap. Uh, but right now you do go in and you set up your envelopes one by one. You fund them, and then you're ready to go. But that whole process can be done, and and you're out and shopping in, in 15 minutes or less. Now, I'm imagining, Ryan, you built this four times, so you probably have some pre-existing envelopes I can choose from that the average person uses, but can I also set up my own special envelopes if I want to, or is it all customized? No, I, absolutely. It, it's all custom. One thing that's really important is a lot of the other systems out there are working really, really hard to try to categorize everything for you. I realized early on as, as we were getting into this, that that categorization, it's generally wrong. And as much as they want to tell you that it's going to be right, if you go to Walmart, there's no way they will know if you're buying sporting goods or clothing or food because it comes off the same merchant ID. So it's always going to be wrong. And then there's people also that'll, that will want to accumulate money into one envelope, one cube. Uh, it's like for a vacation, for example. And they've got hotel, they've got car rental, Disneyland tickets all the food, everything in one. And they want to be able to spend from that one that entire time. So people do it different. And we wanted to have a system that was more custom to the user, to the person and not rigid inside the financial system. So we actually don't do any categorization. It's whatever you want. You're the one that's choosing it. So if I'm buying clothing, a gift for my kid to take to a birthday party and some groceries all at Walmart, I could ostensibly then stand in front of the self-checkout, approve one, get that through, then go approve the next one, get that through. And the third, and I've done it and I've kept things all the same versus on a lot of the apps that I've tried out. You're right. I mean, if I go to Walmart, it's just going to say Walmart. And then I have to figure out how the hell to pull it apart. Yeah. Which most people, what's really interesting. uh, One of our competitors actually has a reset button because people often don't go back in that they get so many transactions behind that it's now overwhelming to try to recategorize everything they did in the past. It, it happens all the time. It becomes such a chore that people don't want to budget. And then you get the, the whole problem of, oh, I hate budgeting. It's so hard because it's, it's this extra thing. With, with Cube, it's super simple. You just tap, swipe, done. And you don't have to think about it again. But also, you, you started alluding to 
uh, a situation that I thought it's actually really funny. When we first released the initial alpha of Cube, I went down and I was at the store doing exactly what you said, Joe. So you and I think alike because I was there. In my mind, I want to ring up each type of thing separately so yeah. I get the exact number. Everyone hated it. I got so much feedback from all the women, mostly women that are following. They're like, there's no way I'm going to ring up three different transactions with five kids in tow. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. right? right. They need it fast. They got to get through that line. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't want to be the coupon lady. Some of them, they want to be the coupon lady that's trying to milk everything while the line's growing behind them. Uh, so that's, that, that was another frustration. So it had to be fast. So we do support multi-cube checkout. So you can do Walmart and have three different cubes open so, and get there. So fast. I take some out of this, some out of this, some out of this, and then bam, it's done. Bam, it's done. Yep. So for you and me, I I, th- I think I'd probably still ring it up separate because yes. I like to be, I like that precision. Yeah. But for mom that needs to get out the door, she can just go boom, 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 load it up, swipe the card. She's out and she's done. We talked about the fact that people here on the front end are going to have a, a, a one-time fee. Is that the main way you guys make money? Is that the only way you make money is through the fee from the user? So the lifetime membership is available right now during beta. After beta, it's going to go away forever. Sure. So take advantage of that. Sure. After that, it'll be, we have a free version of the app that's fairly basic. It's designed to compete with the other online banking systems that are out there. They're also super basic. They really don't do anything except online banking. So we'll have a, a version for that. But then if you want all of our other bells and whistles, then that uh, comes at a really steep price of just eight bucks a month. I know it's really high, <laughs> but eight. <laughs> I just lost all four of my last hairs thinking about that. Oh, eight, $8. Uh, I wanted to ask about the money in the banking system. Does it interface with whatever bank I have now? Or do I have a separate bank that is my cube bank that I bank with specifically for the app? So interesting question. When we first brought out uh, the, the original system was called proactive budget. And my intention was to recreate the cash envelope system. And cash envelopes is great for your discretionary spending, but it does a really lousy job of paying all of your subscriptions, which come in on off of your debit card or your mortgage or your rent payment. It does a lousy job of that because it's based in cash. So one of the things we learned from Proactive is that we needed to basically be the entire bank. People, what the users wanted was a banking system that was built on top of this foundation of cash envelope spending. Yeah. So that's what we've done. So Cube uh, is, is that system. So we can handle subscriptions, uh, bills, rent, everything. You can do bill pay, you can pay anyone, you can hook it up to Venmo, although you may, find that just using our system and paying someone's even easier, but you can do all of that. So, it's, so we've, we've made sure uh, that it plays well with everything that all of us really like. Apple Pay is coming online here shortly. So yeah, we're making sure that it, it plays well with everything. And then, so then when I direct deposit my paycheck, then I direct deposit directly to Cube is what you're saying. Exactly right. Yep. And then we can handle everything. Any, anything you'd need to do, we've been building the system to do that. Gotcha. When it comes to security, obviously everybody's worried about security. And every founder I've talked to, Ryan, using the same security system that banks are using, you guys exactly the same there? Yeah. In fact, so we have the FDIC insurance from our bank partner. And because we are uh, coupled really tightly with the bank, we are held at the same uh, security uh, levels as as a bank. So we are not technically a bank. They're, they call us a neo bank, but we're held to those same the same rules. And honestly, Joe, between you and me, we would have had this thing out probably six months earlier if it wasn't for COVID and, and banking rules. <laughs> so we've been we have been going through, but we have really beefed up a lot of our systems, more, much more than we ever had in the past, to make sure that everything is safe for all our users. 
The site is called cubemoney.com. If you'd like to get on the beta to sign up to get on the beta wait list, head to cubemoney.com. Ryan, man, thanks for hanging out with me talking about cube and uh, congratulations on building such a clean interface. It's just, it's, it's really refreshing and exciting to see. Thank you, Joe. Hey, trivia fans. I'm your guide through this, your favorite segment, that's right, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I'm glad that the Roundtable team did their best to tell you the skills you need for 2020, but we'd be remiss to not give you the top skills according to the real expert around these parts, wouldn't we? Well, lucky you, I'm up for the task. First, we've all learned that what you really need isn't a better budget or investments. Sure, you need those, but you need quick reflexes in 2020. Quick! If someone gets a little too close to the grocery store, you got to juke out of the way. Quick feet. Second, 2020 is a little bit like soccer, or for all of you across the pond who say it wrong, football. And you got to use your hands as little as possible. That means opening doors with legs and driving with your knees and no more fist bumps. Here in the basement, Joe's mom and I do elbow bumps, wearing those like rollerblading Elbow guards, of course. Gotta be protected. I'll be back with a few more tips after today's trivia. Get this. Did you know on this date in history, the first page was written for the World Wide Web? Question is, what year was that written in? I'll be back with your answer faster than you can cheat and Google it. I hope nobody's Googling it because it's so much more fun to see who can be closest. And that's what we do here on Fridays. We have a year-long competition going between Len, Paula, and OG. And Bobby, you're going to play on behalf of OG today. And good news for you, OG's way in last place with 12. So uh, that's good news. Uh, Paula, you have 14. Len is in first place with 15. So Bobby, that means you get the comfort of guessing last Paula goes in the middle and Len you're kicking this thing off yeah okay so uh, now you're saying the world wide web which I don't believe we're talking about the um the precursor to the world wide web the internet the arap I think it's called the arapanet right I'm I'm, I'm saying so <laughs> I'm kind of asking you know, what gets me is I, re you know, I remember when this stuff really first started, like in 94, as we were at work one day and I, we were, we just got on the net and there was a, uh, somebody had set up a camera in front of a, a Boston street corner and I could see cars going back and forth. And we had everybody gathered around the computer go, oh, look at that. Look at that. That's really Boston in real time. I mean, we thought that was amazing. And I'm trying to think that was like in the early nineties. That was like 90. And did they have their horse know, and buggy? <laughs> yeah, the 1890s. Yeah. Yeah, the 1890s. Thanks, Joe. Uh, let's see. That's what you're talking about, just the actual internet. I'm going to guess, gosh, 1994. 1994, Paula. Ouch. Well, when I heard this question, the first uh, year that popped into my head was 1996. I know that doesn't leave a whole lot of gap, but I'm just going to go for it. Roll the dice. I'm going to say 1996. 1996. Bobby, you think it was earlier or later or right, right in the middle? 
I'm I'm actually not feeling pressured at all, even though I know these guys are pros because I know that OG is in last place. But I'm feeling a lot of confidence in this because I was in college around this time and I feel like it was there when I was in college. So if I were to say a year that was earlier than those years, I cover all the years before, right? You get all of them. Right. So I so I might as well go with 93 then. 1993. But I think it was actually earlier than that. That's my guess. Bobby flexes and Chelsea Brennan's everybody. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, 1993, 93, 94, 96. This is a tight grouping. Well, I'd love to tell you who's right, but of course we got to make you wait. We'll be right back. Well, those of you that have listened to the show for a long time know what a fan of Masterclass I am. I am listening to and watching a Gooby and Silverstein piece on better advertising uh, one on design that I find absolutely fascinating. A comedy masterclass has done so much, so much to help me. I think it can really help you too. With masterclass, if you're not familiar with it, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn all the things that I learned. You can learn negotiation. There are a, a communication with Robin Roberts. So many different things. Over 85 classes from a range of worldwide instructors, world-class instructors. That thing you've always wanted to do, it's closer now than you think. I highly recommend, I highly recommend you check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass. And as a stacker, we're going to give you 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash stacking. That's masterclass.com slash stacking for 15% off masterclass. Hey, if you pay your credit cards off every month like you should, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, with, with, which is my favorite word. It says automatically here. I like automatically. With no limit on how much you earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because all the places Discover's accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report. Limitation supply. Len, you kicked it off with 94 and you've got a slim... <laughs> You got a slim moat right now. You've got 94 and maybe half a 95, my friend. No, actually, uh, if it's, this is the anniversary date, I guess I, I hate to say this, but it's going to go to Paula, right? She'd be closer than I would. Uh, uh, why? Cause you think it, it would be 96. You think it'd be uh, later. No, I'm just trying to oh, do based on I'm, today's date. Yeah. Based on today's date. Gotcha. That's very yes. nice of you. See, I would have said yeah, that we're splitting the, the difference. Yeah. With the hay. I actually, you know what? I'd rather be in Bobby's shoes right now. Uh, Bobby, what do you think? I obviously think I'm right, Joe. <laughs> or why would I have picked that year? Don't you know me? You do a show with me like six days a week. That is true. Good, good <laughs> really? point. I could have predicted what you said, but it's not, it, it isn't like most, you are very confident about this one, Bobby, but I will say that we have a lot of people out here going, I don't know, kind of threw a dart, but y you, yeah. Uh, Paula, you've got everything. The good news is she's got everything pre 93. If yes. it, if it started in 2017, you got it, Paula. Yep. 
Exactly, exactly. I've got everything from 1995 on through the future. There so. it is. Hey, you know what, though, Bobby, you know, the pressure's on Bobby because she says she remembers the Internet in college and she said before 93. So that must mean she's hallucinating if if uh, if she, she did a lot of peyote in college, if it's not. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to find out. Doug, what's our answer? Hey, trivia fans, I'm your pal. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, back with some of the real skills you need to succeed in 2020. There's another one. Since many of us are now working from home, you got to figure out how to act busy for the boss, even when you're working from home. You might be watching Netflix all day like, like I do, but you still got to fool everybody. And actually, if you figure this out, um, email me at Doug at stackingbenjamins.com because keep it real, I'm having a pretty hard time pulling this one off. No, yeah, Joe, no, seriously, super busy over here, super busy, working on trivia for everyone like a dog, man, like a dog. Okay, uh, uh, and lastly, the piece of resistance, as they say in South America, and this one is totally focused on all you parents and child caregivers out there. We know you didn't sign up for it, but guess what? You are officially teachers. My pro tip, YouTube, always YouTube. And when the kids get bored, well, nap time's pretty good. So just have them listen to Joe and OG. Okay, I'll get to the trivia. Jeez, now that you're uber prepared to succeed in 2020, let's get back to today's trivia. The question was, on this date in history, the first page was written for the World Wide Web. What year was it written in? If you guessed 30 years ago in 1990, you'd be right. On that note, time for me to celebrate by helping the neighborhood kids write these in sidewalk chalk. Maybe we'll find a new listener. See ya. Nice. <laughs> Bobby nails it. Bam. Nice. I was surprised, Len. I thought you would have guessed earlier than that. Even when you well, said you know, 93, I thought being a yeah. guy who's of a oh, similar age as you. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's uh, maybe it was 90. It's hard. It gets fuzzy. The, you know, you, the further you go back in time towards the big bang, it, things get really fuzzy. <laughs> so. Way back then. But you do remember how the sky was blue every day. Those years. Remember that? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, actually, let me just say this. I did grow up in, in a steel town. So in Southern California, the biggest steel mill west of the Mississippi. And honest to God, this, a blue sky was very rare growing up. Very I, rare. I thought you meant where you stole stuff. <laughs> no? I stole stuff? Yes. No, not that kind of steel A steel mill. To, Oh, okay. Ambiguity. Oh, no, 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 no. Ambiguity. Wow, 1990. That is a... Uh, I, I do remember it from college. I'm sorry, but I do. Gosh. I remember I had it. I had a computer. I remember. And, and there was computer labs still. Not everyone had a computer. But yeah. 94. OK. It, it could 90, be. Yeah. 1990. Yeah. 90. I know. 90, 90, 90. Yeah. God. Have you guys noticed, by the way, these quite the last few weeks, people have been either getting it or been like right on like they, you know, have been pretty close to on point. Well, I thought it was before 93, but I but from the statistical way of, of guessing, sure. there's no advantage to being 1991 or 90. So 93 on down was the more that was the, yeah. the more strategic way. No, that was great. my answer. Yep. But I did say when I was in college and you did say when you I thought it was sooner than that. Well, before Bobby gloats too much, let's. Take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better with their money. Today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. When you go to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, Bobby, you know what you find? 
What do you find, Joe? <laughs> you find that those financial products you use every day at a brick and mortar bank, probably nowhere near the best in class. Over 92% of the products available online every day ranked at Magnify Money, whether it's savings accounts, checking accounts, student loans. Now mortgages are there. Also, you'll find CD rates there. Cashback reward, credit cards, consolidation loans, and more, all at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Today, we're going to help Justin magnify his money. Say hi, Justin. Hi, Joe, OG, possibly Paula, Len, Doc G, Andy Hill, or whoever else might be on the shortwave. <laughs> I'm looking at becoming a financial coach with the mindset of doing it all digitally and using it as income and becoming a digital nomad in about three years. I want to spend this year learning and getting any certifications I need so that the following two years, I can start to build up some business. I know there are many different certifications I can get, such as a CFP, CFCMT, CPCF, CFEI, AFC, FFC. I know the CFP is the gold standard, but I think that would take longer than I want and would probably be overkill for what I'm trying to do with it. Can you speak about some of the differences between these other certifications and what would make the most sense for what I'm planning? Also, any advice on starting up this kind of business? Thanks. By the way, shirt size is small, so my clients will be able to see me flex over the Zoom calls. <laughs> I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, Justin. Not not, not quite sure, but that that's going to be awesome. It'll be spectacular no matter what. Thanks for the question, Justin. Uh, uh, Len? Yes. <laughs> uh, honestly, I've, I really can't help you too much there. I, I, you know, I know there's the CFP. You, you, you've got the Certified Financial Planner. And then you've got the uh, – I think it's the Chartered uh, Financial Consultant, which is kind of – I think it's more of a niche – so the the thing is, I think between the 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 CHFC and the CFP, and the CHFC being the niche, I think they take almost the same amount of of work, and that's a lot of work. And I and I it was Justin, right? I I think um, that's more than Justin says he yeah. wants to do more work he wants to do because uh, it, uh, it you know it's that's a lot. And and I'll be honest, those are the only ones I really know that are in the financial planning certificates. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, that's all I know. The CHFC is a little bit easier than the CFP, but there still is a lot that goes into the CHFC program. The, the, the he forgot BMOC though, Len, he forgot. Isn't the BMOC. He forgot, he forgot BMOC. He could be B a big man on campus. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Is nope. it, hey, one last thing though. Isn't the, isn't the CHFC, one of those is, is a fight. You're a fiduciary, right? And I think the other one you're not. So I you think can, uh, he, the CFP he, is a fiduciary, I believe, but I think the other one is not. So you can be a fiduciary as a CHFC. Paula, how about you before we go to the CFP and ask her opinion? I mean, I got to admit when I heard this question, I thought, OMG, WTF, <laughs> BRB. <laughs> and that's all. Pretty much. I uh, I am really not familiar with the various designations. The only ones that I am most familiar with are CFP and CFA. You definitely don't want to be a CFA. That would be better for yeah. like a person who wants to be the CFO of a company might, <laughs> might want a CFA. <laughs> so you definitely don't want that one. Uh, so I can we can eliminate that. 
Uh, as far as the rest of them, CFP is the only one that I'm even moderate. What about CPA? And there's another one he forgot. CPA. Yeah, right? he doesn't want that one either, though. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, that really takes a long time. Tax is uh, great for that, but not for if he's doing well-rounded financial planning. Bobby, you're a CFP. Does he I want? I am a CFP. Does he want CFP? Yes. yes. Don't bother if you're not going to be a CFP. And I don't mean to be a mean girl. I don't think but he, if you're going to do it. See, do it I, right. I disagree. I'm sorry. I disagree. I think, well, all right, hear me out, Joe. And first of all, forget this alphabet soup, because I think what Len and Paula are telling you in their answer is that one thing you're doing is you want to brand yourself in addition to actually having the knowledge. And if they don't know those other brands or other accreditations, is that the right word? Then they're not going to draw in clients. And so part of the reason you're doing this is because you want your clients to have potential clients to have comfort level that you know what you're doing. And if it's these letters, this alphabet soup you're going through, I don't know them. I would have had to look them up and I was like, I'm not even going to bother. And these guys were like, you know, no. So you need to think about that. If you're going to bother, pick something that people actually will recognize and respect. The CFP is a fiduciary. Anyone can be a fiduciary. That just means you're going to put your client's interests above other things. So you can become a fiduciary as part of, you know, whatever you can, you can say that you're a fiduciary if you do all those things. I do think it's a lot of work to be a CFP, but if you're going to be doing this for your life and you're going to build a business, which I think you want to be ongoing, put in the time and don't knock yourself down that it's going to be too hard because I did it. And you know what? I am was a journalist with a full-time job when I started taking the classes, three kids, husband, dog, the whole shebang. And I did it. And I think you should believe in yourself and go for it if that's what you want to do. And you'll serve your future clients well. And you know what? It's going to be a lot less work because you'll know what you're talking about. And you won't be kind of, you know, what's that? You know, like the those, I'm thinking of those images of like the ducks underneath the water, like scurrying where it looks all smooth to your clients, but you really have this deep-seated fear that you don't know what you're doing know what you're doing. Just put in the time and don't assume you can't do it. I, and probably you can do it in a year if you just focus solely on that, if you have that luxury, but go for it. And you can also um, DM me if you want any other advice. I agree with everything that you said, Bobby. I agree absolutely with all that. I think CFP is the thing that people know. I think that that is probably one of the most difficult designations to get, which is why people know what it is and respect it. I think it depends on what type of coaching he wants to do, though. I think if he just wants to help people get their budget together and get the basics, you don't see a lot of CFPs help people with that. They really dive into all six of the areas of financial planning and putting together a comprehensive dovetailed financial plan. And if he's trying to dig into just one or two of those pillars instead of all six, I actually think it's the AFCPE that he's looking for, which a lot of our friends uh, who've been on this show, Jen Hemphill, uh, Lacey Langford, uh, we know a bunch of people who are in the AFCPE and, and you know, what they do, Justin, is they get people ready to work with a CFP. So if you want to work with people who are trying to get their basic budget in order so that they're ready to get the financial footing to actually then work with a professional like a CFP, then I think the AFCPE is the way to go. We had Rebecca Wiggins on the show. Um, you can go back and listen to that. We'll have Richie put that in the show notes. But that's a it's a financial counselor who helps people really get their financial house in order. You're looking at me, like Bobby, like, nope. I really believe in being a CFP. 
That's all I'm going to say. I think he should go for it. And I don't like the idea that his reason for not doing it is that it kind of sounds like it might be a little too much work. I think you should have confidence in yourself. People said there was no way I was going to pass this test. People said you're doing other things. You're not. I don't have a CFP practice per se. I'm a journalist who did all the coursework, did everything that was required of me, took the test, passed the test. And it has really served me well in terms of what I bring to the table. It's allowed me other opportunities. And I, I just really believe in it. So I think that if that is an well, option at all, it's it's worth putting the time into. I, that, that seems what it is. He doesn't want to put the time into it. But I'm telling him yes. he, he can do it. He can do it. It does. I think that's it the does, best one. It does sound like that to me too, Bobby. But I think if he wants to go into this as a career, who you surround yourself with Surrounding yourself with people who are doing the same type of coaching that you're doing. If he wants to do that baseline coaching and he goes and gets a CFP, all the other CFPs are not doing the type of coaching that he's doing. If he's AFCPE and he's doing that baseline coaching and he goes to the AFCP conference and he interfaces with those people, he's going to be surrounded with other people that know those best practices. CFPs will not know the best practice to help somebody with their budget. I've talked to a lot of CFPs about doing basic budgets. A lot of CFPs, but I mean, I'm thinking this is horrible. I'm thinking, guys, we had a guy, I don't know, Paul or Len, if you guys were on this, and I'm not going to call out exactly who this person was, but they were a CFP who does big time money management. And when we asked about buy versus lease a car, I made the mistake of going to him first. He had no clue. He had no idea. He started off in an area that a budget coach wouldn't go near. So I think it depends on what type of coaching you want to do. I heard that too, though, Bobby, that he's like, I don't know that I want to put that work into it. Do the work. Absolutely do the work. And it can be a differentiator if you are going to be in that group. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Thanks for the question, Justin. And uh, congrats on uh, the small t-shirt. The good news is we're just sending you a code. And so you can pick whichever size t-shirt you want. But if you do get the small one, make sure that you're in the basement, our Facebook group, and show it off with pride, my friend. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. If you have a question for us and Paula, Len, and Bobby, or Andy Hill, or Doc G, or, or whoever's here at the time, we'll be happy to help. And by the way, all you, if you go to that URL, StackyBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail, on your phone, you have a microphone, your computer has a microphone, super easy to do. All right, that's going to do it for today, peeps. Uh, let's, let's do this, Len. Uh, we'll have our guest of honor go last. Len, uh, what's happening at lenpenzo.com? Well, 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 we take a look back at 12 years of my family taste test challenges. And what I've done is I've looked at all of them and I actually identified the eight items that were the store brand item, beat the name brand item in my family taste test evaluations and that's so what I'm doing is it's like a best of and you get it's a cheat sheet for you. One article you get to see eight different products, which ones did the store brand item actually surpass the name brand item and full full the panel. So very interesting little piece Let's at lenpenzo.com. That was written by Len Penzo, who is an SOB slash BFD. <laughs> and uh, I should say that Len's favorite taste test was the vodka taste test. It turns out the Kirkland brand vodka after you've had five <laughs> taste exactly hey, the same. The, the Kirkland stuff is very good. Paula, what's going on at Afford Anything? 
on the Afford Anything podcast, if you are interested in starting a business, just like this uh, Mr. LMNOP is, um, if you're interested in starting a business or starting a side hustle, we have an interview with Alan Donegan. He is the founder of Pop-Up Business School, and he talks about how anyone can start a business, even if it's on the side, You know, whether, you, whether it's on the side or full-time, how you can start a business with just a couple of hours a week and almost no investment. So that interview with Alan Donegan is on the Afford Anything podcast. We also have this crazy dude named Joe Salcihai. What? Who, who joins us to show off uh, show off all of his CFP knowledge. It can be a train wreck sometimes. But, <laughs> but, but there you go. Bobby, it's hmm, about, it's I about, wonder. it's about, <laughs> what, what show are you on, Bobby? Why, Joe, you will be joining me on the weekend edition. <laughs> Of money with friends. <laughs> we do have, we should tell people yes. that haven't listened to the show in a while that we have, we have tweaked the format and our Saturday show. Yeah. I mean, every day is fun, but Saturday is a whole new animal now. It is. It is. Not only do we go over our favorite moments from the week that was, which is really fun because if people listen to the show, I'm not, I'm on some and Joe's on some with a rotating guest, a rotating cast of thought leaders that include this season, everyone from Grant Sabatier to David Bach, Farnish Charabi's on there. We've got amazing people. And We've had so we Paula Pant on there moments. in the past. Paula Pant has been the on. Paula Pant. I mean, seriously, the Paula Pant. <laughs> and we preview the week ahead. And then we actually take listener questions live. So that can be exciting. And so we will be doing that. And uh, the coming week, we're going to have Elizabeth Sagrand from Fast Company is going to be on. And Farnoosh Tarabi actually is on deck with you. So yeah. it should be a great week. It's a great as season. As it always is. We have a, I we, love, yes. We have a bunch of fun. And I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but when people ask their question, Bobby, they don't share their shirt size. So they don't. Well, you know, we don't, we send mugs, not shirts. We do. That's on, right. On, uh, on Money with Friends. When we become a big time show like Stacking Benjamins, we're going to expand into shirts yes. and all kinds of exciting things. Yes. But we're, we're still a baby show now. Maybe life-size wall art of ourselves. Yeah. That would be I think great. that's an excellent an idea. <laughs> yes. Wouldn't that be creepy? That's awesome. If somebody gets like a poster and it's like a life-size picture of you and me. You know, it's funny because I actually, <laughs> I have some of those <laughs> of me from my days when I was reporting. My mom had, I have these blowups of me reporting. They used to have me on the, you know, those billboards at Times Square, like the digital boards. Yes. So my reports used to actually go on the big digital screens in Times Square. So I have actually some blow up photos of those. I also have photos <laughs> of me on the New York Stock Exchange that are like poster size. So yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Have you seen my new website? There's a rolling video of just me, 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 me on it. Me, 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 me. <laughs> me, 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 me. BobbyRebell.com. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. On that note, Doug, you've got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, you know, I'm pretty busy over here, but I'll take a couple of minutes out to tell everybody what we should have learned today. First, take a lesson from our roundtable. Sometimes to win, you have to be boring and just stay the course. Second, take a lesson from our friends at Cube Money. You really can stop living paycheck to paycheck without having to use the cash envelope system. But the big takeaway... Don't criticize Aubrey Ann about her penmanship when you're sidewalk chalking money tips. That girl doesn't take feedback very well at all. 
Special thanks to Bobby for joining us on the roundtable today. Join Bobby and Joe on their six-day-a-week show, Money with Friends, where they make sense of recent financial headlines. This season, you'll hear a great cast of experts, including David Bach, Farnoosh Tarabi, Bola Sokunbi, Grant Sabatier, and more. Also, we'd like to thank Ryan Clark from Cube Money for coming on the show and letting us know we don't need a wad of cash to keep track of our money. We'll have a link on our show notes page to Cube, or just head on over to CubeMoney.com. That's Cube, but with a Q instead of a C, you know, like normal people spell it. Paula Pint appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com and Afford Anything Podcast. All the Afford Anythings. Len Penzo was gold on today's show, wasn't he? Well, at least he's hoarding it all under his bed. This show is created by Joe Saul Sehi, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. That's Doug with a D instead of an R. That probably wasn't that funny, Steve, but roll with it anyway. I got nothing else. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. I'm glad you brought that up at the end of the show, Bobby, because I was and Paula and Len uh, chime in if you guys have done radio interviews or TV interviews that have gone weird. But I was thinking because we have Bobby on and she's done so much television, the nine years that I did TV, there were some weird moments sometimes. There were just some some strange things that happened. And well, I'll just I'll give you one. There was a guy that I was talking to. We were talking about Kmart going bankrupt and the dude, it was a, it it was, they had just gone bankrupt at the close of the day. So at, at 4 PM Eastern, they announced after the close that they were going bankrupt. Right. So after the, the stock market had ended, it was a special report. So everybody came in at the last second. I got this call. Luckily I was by the TV station and I went down there and I'm sitting with this group of quote experts to talk about the bankruptcy, but the guy asking questions had just had like this big sandwich. He was in the middle of his dinner when he found out. So every time there's two cameras, there's a camera who's on that's on everybody. 
there's three cameras. There's a camera that's on everybody. There's a camera that's just on the individual guest, me. And then there's a camera that's on him. He knew every time the camera was just on me and he's sitting three, three feet away from me. And every time he would ask me a question, he would dive into his teeth with his, with his fingers. And he's trying to pick sandwich out of his teeth before it comes back to him. Cause he's got sandwich stuff all over his teeth that he had shoved in just before we went live. And I'm trying to comment on something that I don't comment on a lot, how a company, a corporate bankruptcy works, right? What's going to happen to the stock and all this stuff. And I'm trying to look at him and he knows the camera's not on him. And the only person who sees him is me. And he's picking his teeth while I'm trying to talk about it. It's unbelievable. Wow. Bobby, you must have had something. You've been on TV way more than I have. Oh, so many, so many fun moments, Joe. The question is, which ones do I actually reveal to you people? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, look, my career started one of my first jobs at CNBC. Part of my job, in addition to, you know, giving people scripts and things like that, I worked on a morning show. And, you know, people always ask, gee, how do these anchors stay awake? Don't they get tired? What happens? They're getting up at three in the morning. How do they maintain that energy? Well, the truth is they take naps during commercial breaks. They do. <laughs> they do. They do. And so part of my job at CNBC, um, I don't know if you guys know, and unfortunately he did pass away a few years ago, but there was a gentleman named Mark Haynes, who was a wonderful anchor on Squawk Box. But even before that, he was on very early morning. And I, of course, have had the privilege many times of working overnights. And uh, part of my job was to, you know, wake him up as the uh, opening was, you know, rolling. Make sure and he, oh, and, you know, he would he would wake up. I didn't know so, Mark passed away. Yeah, Mark Haynes did pass away. Yeah. Um, yeah. I loved him. Yes, watching, unfortunately. And watching it was very him sudden, in the morning. But he was great. He was great. Well, it was funny because the first day that I started, or maybe I was getting, I think it was maybe the time I interviewed, I uh, ran into him and he was, I think he was leaving and he was in such like grungy sweats that I had no idea who he was. I thought he was like the janitor because, you know, he comes out and, you know, you, you, they put on these suits and they look so great. But then when they're just in their everyday wear, a lot of people look like just regular people. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I Look, I learned a lot. I learned not to F up when I Neil Cavuto gave me a graphic to do at CNBC. And it was the whole center of his of his segment that he was doing. And I, I took it to the graphics department. I had it done. I went and checked on it. But because I was new, I didn't realize that I had to actually sit in the control room and tell them, make sure you have his graphic. Take the graphic. He's talking about the graphic. I had no idea. So of course the segment ends and Neil comes storming off. He's like, where's that new production assistant who messed up my whole segment. And you know what? That is one way to get an anchor's attention. And I never <laughs> messed it up again. And the good news is that I, for, to this very day, clearly remember that and Neil did warm up to me eventually, but he learned who I was. I was no longer the production assistant. He knew my name immediately, so, which may yeah, or may, or yeah. may not have been a good thing. It was not a good thing in the short term, but we play the long game, Joe. And in the long run, he's been very kind to me over the years. So I am a big Neil Cavuto fan. So. Paula, Len, uh, times either on TV or podcast interviews. Paula, you've done several of those. Those can sometimes be painful. Oh, I've, do, I've done many of those. Yeah, I haven't had too many TV experiences. I've, I've had a few, but not enough to really have stories. But uh, podcast interviews, you know, I've done a few that were so bad that I just couldn't air them. And what I've learned from that is I think that it's a Derek, 
Derek Sivers quote, if it's not a hell yeah, it's a no. If I'm just kind of on the fence about somebody and I'm not quite sure if I want to interview them or not, don't because uh, particularly if they were the ones who reached out and pitched me and I'm kind of like, you know, uh, don't because oftentimes the, the really bad interviews are people who either are just trying to sell and they're using your show to yeah. get, you know, free advertising for their like whatever you know, nonsense widget. Yeah. Um, those are really bad ones or people who just, they don't, there are some people who just don't really have anything new or there's no original thought there. Like their entire story comes out as a series of platitudes Yeah, and there's nothing new to take away. There's nothing original. It's just a echo chamber repeat. Try your best. Yeah, exactly. Give it 110%. No, I'm not actually even talking about those, Paul. I'm talking about like when you go on somebody else's podcast and it's like the one that the one that gets me sometimes. And I apologize if if you're listening to this, but if you've had me on your show and you ask me, give me five questions you want me to ask you. You've just sucked the entire fun out of the discussion. Like, we're not going to have a fun discussion. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can come up with entertaining questions to ask myself, but it really isn't a give and take. It's just Joe doing Joe, you know? Mm. I did a, I did a pre-interview once with a podcaster who said that he wanted to do the pre-interview, like, you know, a 15-minute pre-interview. He said that he wanted to do it just as a sound check. And so I went into it thinking that that's all it was. Turned out he had done zero research on me or who I was or anything about you didn't know anything about me and he essentially wanted me to in that 15 minutes do all of his research for him you know I, I could tell that he knew nothing about me because he was asking such broad generic questions that I, I was like pretty curt with him you know I know who uh, he is <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about I'm guessing you had the same pre-interview <laughs> I did it's like, what the, what the heck? Yeah, that's weird. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I ended up not doing the full interview. You know, if he's not going to do the research ahead of time, I'm not going to show up for an hour long interview. Len, you're, you're, <laughs> let's get his microphone off. I was going to say me, you're asking me this question about, I'm not the media guy here. I'm just kind of like the, Len's like, on, but Len's like every Friday going to this damn show. <laughs> but let me just say this. So the fire that came by, there were news crews there in our neighborhood. The whole neighborhood was uh, my whole cul-de-sac basically was, was watching the fire and along with all the, the camera crews were there. And, and so this guy walks up to us with a camera. He had his cameraman and, and he had his uh, microphone, you know, news guy. This guy is an Asian gentleman. And he goes, uh, anybody speak Spanish? All of us were, were looking at, no, no, he, he keys on the honeybee, you know, because she's Hispanic. And he goes, you speak uh, Spanish? And no, she goes, finally. <laughs> so he's getting desperate, right? Because he has to get an interview because it's time. It's it's time for his deadline. He's got to get he's got to get the story in. This is for Univision, by the way. This is Univision. That's why he's asking. And finally, he's like, he's like, oh, he's like, I'll just do it in English. Anybody want to do this in English? You know, and so finally, one of my neighbors, finally, he finally said, sure, I'll, I'll interview with you and I'll, I'll answer your questions. But the, but the guy had to, you know, the Univision guy, he, he was the, the Asian guy, the Asian guy who spoke Spanish for Univision. He couldn't find anybody in our neighborhood that spoke Spanish. And uh, he had to end up doing his, his uh, interview in uh, English. So I don't know if they subtitled it in Spanish when they showed it on the, on uh, Univision, but uh, anyways, that's, that's the only story I have, Joe. Sorry. Len told them his fee. <laughs> 
Len told them his fee for the interview and they couldn't afford it. Oh, I was going to ask all of you if you've ever had guests on that were like drunk or otherwise impaired. Actually, that reminds me of a story. So it was not a drunk or on drugs person, but here's how it went down. So as you all know, I, I had a very short and unimpressive career working for two and a half years at a tiny newspaper, and it was in Boulder, Colorado. At that time, this is before weed was legalized in Colorado. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're that Paula Pant? <laughs> <laughs> You've been working with her this whole time and had no idea. <laughs> My God, can I get your autograph, Paula? <laughs> Selfies are how they do it now, Len. Okay, well, get with yeah. the times. <laughs> So when I was uh, reporting in Boulder, um, this was before weed was legal in Boulder, and every April 20th on 420, a bunch of students from the university would go to the big university quad, Fair and Field, and they would all smoke weed. Everybody would light up at 420 p.m. on April 20th, 420 and 420. And so I, as a reporter, went to go cover that story, wrote an article about it. Well, it caught the attention of... Um, what's her name? Uh, what's the name of the, I I forget the person's name. It caught the attention of some headliner on CNN or on one of the major networks who invited me to come do a spot on live national television that evening to discuss, uh, 420 at 420 on fair and field, because I was the local reporter who had covered it. Right. I thought you were going to say, because I'm an expert on 420. (laughs) So I go to, um, oh, it must have been MSNBC because I I went to the NBC affiliate station in Denver. I sit in front of the camera and they they patch me and I do like a, a few minutes of answering questions live. And the little Chiron at the bottom of the screen, if you, you can imagine, it shows my face. And then the little Chiron at the bottom of the screen says, stoned in Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a picture of that? Yeah. I sure do. Oh, do you? Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there. And Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org at Navy Federal. Our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval. 